Okay, we're on now. Noise, noise, noise. I'm Jonathan Kirksey. And I'm Jenny Davis. was a music festival specifically for not only new music but collaborations between some chamber ensembles and non-classical musicians and our idea was to bring new music that maybe hasn't been performed here in Memphis and bring it here because you could go to New York or LA and hear a lot of this music fairly easily but it doesn't happen a whole lot in Memphis so we thought why not just bring these uh, ensembles here? And the collaboration portion of the festival, we just thought it would be something new and exciting for Memphis to see classical chamber music alongside non-classical musicians like Don Lifted and Rob Junkless. <laughs> all the different new music ensembles from, from Tennessee, Chatterbird from Nashville, and Neef North from Knoxville, and Blue Shift and Luna Nova in Memphis. And of course, Jenny and I both, both play with Luna Nova as well as Blue Shift. And actually, Jenny and I met playing a Luna Nova concert. That's where, that's where we met. That ensemble is certainly very special to us also. We've been around for about a year now, and we started the group because we thought there's a little bit of a void for this type of music here in Memphis, right now anyway, and we thought, let's just make it happen. So we got some musicians together and musicians who were also interested in playing new music and bringing new works to life. It's been a really fun process making it all happen. hopes for Blue Shift that we do, you know, reach new audiences that 
go to a Blue Shift concert and they think, oh, this is actually really cool. And it doesn't have to be stiff and stuffy. You can't cough between pieces or a little bit more relaxed than you think. And even going to a symphony concert, you, you don't have to dress in your finest ball gown. You can just wear whatever you want. It's totally fine. Jenny Davis was in her undergrad at Middle Tennessee State when I was teaching there. So I've known her for a long time and watched her grow, and she's got this wonderful aesthetic and great sense of beauty and music and playfulness. And I'm really glad that she's here in Memphis and doing something so creative and helping to kind of push, push music forward in Memphis. I'm Celine Thaxton. I'm the flutist for Chatterbird and the artistic director. And... I've been in Nashville since 2013, although we spent some time there in the mid-O's as well. Um, went to Oregon and then came back when I had a child, and this is sort of, grew up outside of Memphis. My dad is in Nashville, so it's sort of home for me. So. I'm originally from upstate New York, uh, Troy, but I live in, in Nashville, and I've been there uh, off and on since 2004. Uh, and I'm Jesse Strauss. I'm from Atlanta. I play percussion for Chatterbird. Been in Nashville about seven years. Came to um, go to school at Belmont University. Stuck around. And right now I'm playing with Chatterbird, and then I have a nonprofit uh, music festival called Make Music Nashville that I throw every summer with a big team of people. And then I'm working at uh, Tennessee Performing Arts Center. <laughs> Portland and had a lot of experience with somewhat quirky music ensembles, an electric guitar orchestra and a crazy opera company and others. And when I moved back to Nashville in 2013, there just wasn't, there just wasn't the same kind of whelp of new music that I had really enjoyed in Portland. And so I decided to start the ensemble. We had our first concert in 2014, and actually that year, it just was sort of an explosion of new music ensembles in Nashville. I mean, there were a few that just popped up out of nowhere, and we've all kind of grown together over the last couple of years. Our tagline really is uniquely orchestrated chamber music, and so we try to mix a lot with different um, styles and genres of music. 
We also play around with maybe strange or unusual instrumentation. We've used typewriters and tables, amplified tables and chess tables and colored water and toy piano and <laughs> unfortunately not ham sandwiches. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, next time. yeah, next time. But we, we kind of like to, to be a little playful um, with the instrumentation and we feature works of a lot of local composers, a lot of members of our own group write for us. Um, we have a composer in residence and we also have worked a lot with Nashville-based musicians that are not necessarily working within classical music. So a couple of songwriters that we've worked with, some people who are more into world music or jazz have done some arranging and some writing for us. Uh, this will be the beginning of our fourth season. So we're really excited and, and looking forward to a big year, actually. I'm Ashley Walters. I'm a cello player based in Los Angeles, and I began working with the Nipnor Festival in 2013. And I'm Jay Source, classical and electric guitarist based in New York City, and I joined the Nipnor faculty in 2015. Nipnor is a multifaceted organization, and it's concerned with the three primary areas of performance, research, and composition of contemporary classical music. And the most visible part of Nifnorf is the Summer Festival, which is two weeks of contemporary music in Knoxville, Tennessee, in June. And I think it's the 10th year? This past, this past festival was the 10th the Nifnorf Festival. And it brings together performers, composers, and musicologists, all under one umbrella. My name is Patricia Gray. I, along with my husband, Robert Patterson, founded Luna Nova in 2007. It was an outgrowth of a project I was involved in with the Associated Colleges of South that the focus was music technology. What we did was work with composers who were in small liberal arts colleges who frequently didn't have all the institutional support they might like to have. So in, in a consortium setting, we could have a lot of projects that put together 10 or 12 colleges, and everybody could kind of have the best of all worlds, and we started having music festivals with that. Then when that grant ran out, we decided to make it a private 501c3 here in Memphis. 
We've been running the Belvedere Chamber Music Festival for this is our 11th year, mm -hmm. and we use musicians here in town. But I also have my core musicians that have been with me since 2006 or seven. They come in from wherever they happen to be, so we have this ongoing core of people who've worked together a long, long time. That means that you can put together music in a big hurry because everybody's used to working with each other and they know strengths and weaknesses and it's just not like getting a lot of strangers together and hoping things work. <laughs> we have the festival that has six concerts uh, between a Wednesday and a Saturday and they're just here for a week and so that means that you have 35 pieces that you've got to get rehearsed. That's a big issue so you have to think of everything to make that work. And of course, we give about six concerts during the year, and so a lot of times we'll be using some of the same things that we use during the year. It depends, you know, if there's a theme to the, to the festival or, you know, what else is going on, but you'll be repeat some things, so you can pull those from earlier concerts. Our festival for us is extremely important. It sort of grounds us in who we are. What I tried to do is, obviously everything we're performing is pretty much written within the last hundred years, but I always feel like you need to have music that can touch people's heart and emotions as well as their intellect. And if they can come away with something that they've internalized from it, then I feel like that music has done its work. And of course, I say that in addition, we also do a good bit of Bach, because I always think that Bach is the refining fire, so <laughs> is My name is Jonathan Russ. I am composer in residence with the Blue Shift Ensemble, and I am with the Iceberg New Music Composers Collective as well. I am based in Brooklyn, New York. Just to keep us 
just to be us Down the parkway with your feet up Lost times to feed trust Arguments about what's what I'ma hold on till I beat dust Can't run from this, already fear enough Lost himself just to find dust Can't go back cause I, I am Lawrence Matthews When I perform I go by the name Don Lifted From Memphis, but out east I've been doing this for a little while now Doing art at the same time And doing film stuff but I'm just kind of like an overall artist. But the music's kind of like alternative hip-hop, I guess. Samples drums and indie bands and alternative rock bands and piano, just like anything. My name is Rob Junkless. Boy, a brief bio, because I'm so old now. I came up through the clubs in Memphis, <laughs> starting in the early 70s, and so I slogged away for 10 or 15 years, and then in the mid-80s, I hooked up with some people at a studio called Sounds Unreal, and got a publishing deal and a recording deal in 85, 86, and so, I guess I bounced around to two or three different labels and had my 15 minutes, and then by 1990 it was, it was done, and I took a left turn and got married and became a, a school teacher. There definitely seems to be a curiosity in Memphis, and not just in Memphis, uh, for this new music. Uh, so we're just trying to do our best and supply it. <laughs> yeah, it seems to be happening all over the country right now, really. There's, there's, like, there's been an, kind of an explosion of new music ensembles, and like Jenny said, uh, entrepreneurship amongst classical musicians. You know, I, I'm going to start my own group. I'm not just going to try to get a job and something in orchestra or some other group that already exists but I'm gonna, I'm gonna make my own thing and you know, pave my own way. So that certainly seems to be a trend. just changing tides of what it takes to have a career in music these days. You can't just graduate college and go take the audition for the local orchestra and expect to win the job necessarily. You do have to be more creative. 
Newfoundland Festival has a really collaborative spirit. And to me, when we travel, it extends to new friendships being forged in other cities. So here we meet new composers, new performers. There are new venues that we discover. And there's the possibility of these friendships continuing. And we see it at the festival all the time. Fellows who are composers will write pieces for fellows who were performers. And so I think the possibility of meeting new collaborators here is very bright. One thought that comes to my mind is just the sharing of the music with the other ensembles themselves. And in any of our cities, I think, it's a small community. It's not just Nashville, it's not just Memphis, but if you play in a new music ensemble like this and, and you're having to find funding and you're having to find performance space and you're having to meet the other musicians in your city and like organize your schedules around each other and just, there's a lot of struggles that go with it. And it's, it's good to be able to meet the other ensembles and then see how they do it in their cities and, and see what sources of support they have. like all the things that are happening in Tennessee of all places and to be able to get representatives from each group here in Memphis that was really special to me I don't know what it is that's going on in Tennessee but something's happening here for <laughs> new music and it's really exciting Body is actually an expansion of a piece that was premiered last year by the Blue Shift Ensemble at the High Tone, and that piece was called Dharmakaya. In uh, Tibetan Buddhism, and actually in Mahayana Buddhism in general, a Buddha is considered to have three different bodies, Dharmakaya, Sambhogyakaya, and Nirmanakaya, and I had done one of them, and I decided, well, it's obvious to do the other two, add tumor movements, added a trumpet and trombone as well, just made it a, a big old thing. Blue Shift reached out to me to collaborate with them and add a string section and some other instruments to some of the records I had. So I essentially like picked out the records that I felt like had the room or felt like they could have string sections put with them. The lyrics were very meaningful and insightful and just they spoke to me. The music that he was using, I just thought it lent itself well to the orchestral instruments seemed like it'd be a pretty natural fit. They wanted me to curate a video or like create a video for their 50 minute set before mine. I did that and like I referenced like a bunch of like Fellini films and like 
just like a bunch of cool films that I want to watch, like Eight and a Half, uh, Citizen Kane. I didn't expect it. I really didn't. I knew there was going to be imagery. I didn't know what it was going to be. And it was really surprising in a great way to see all this war imagery, because I think it, in an ironic way, it set off this very sort of peaceful, you know, light-driven music that I was trying to make. So I thought the overall effect of that was incredibly powerful in a way I hadn't even anticipated. I hadn't heard the music yet either. But I felt like, just based on what they were telling me about it, I felt like they would fit. And then in my video, a lot of the visual elements, like I, I made those videos for those songs like kind of years back, and um, I just add to them. What you heard tonight was the latest direction that I'm going. As you can see, Jonathan was kind enough to come up and play, but I'm trying to be self-sufficient, and so I have drones and loops and parts in a looper. I don't know what, I, I guess it's called a looper. And then, of course, my guitar pedals, but so that I can accompany myself and it's loose enough as you can tell that I can break it down and because I really don't know what I'm going to do half the time which is one of the joys of of performing right because I make a lot of mistakes but I try to I try to I try to be here in the room I played with Jonathan on and off forever and when I'm changing tempos and parts and stuff it's not lovely for the people that are playing with me another reason to have loopers and pedals so that nobody to be mad at you I guess nothing to fear We wanted to do something easy to transport, no piano, no electronics, just something we could just throw out there. So we had to find some pieces we'd already done, and because the availability of players was also a challenge. I happened to have this arrangement uh, for these four players, and I knew we could get those four players to, to the date, the arrangement for the Machot. So I said, why don't we pull this old Machot arrangement out? I say old, it was 2010. And sort of build a program around that. So then we had a lot of solo pieces which didn't require rehearsal time so that we could just focus on the quartet and the two duos. I feel that Machot is so old that he's new again. Being 700 years old, he's more than twice as old as Bach. 
And there's such a big change in the style period between Machot and Bach that it sounds really fresh to me. I chose three pieces in each one, each of the three form fixe, which is ballade, rondo, Fierle. and The ballade is three parts, so I set that for four instruments in a fairly conventional way, either leaving one of them out or doubling one of the parts. For the second uh, rondo, it was, it's a two-part rondo, and I had to divide that between four instruments. And so I decided to do that by throwing virtual dice on a computer screen. So I aligned up all the different options, all the different possibilities of A, B, A on top, B on the bottom, B on top, A on the bottom, you know, all the way down. It's about, I forget how many there were, were 12 maybe options. Then just every two bars I would roll the dice again and, and then we'd just have to change the parts to those instruments. And so the result is kind of a kaleidoscopic color change all through the whole arrangement. As it pops from instruments to instrument, you can hear what's going on and see it. And that's, that, that makes it a puzzle that comes together. I think one of the things, too, about Show is there's a book uh, by Barbara Tuckman several, oh, I don't know, 30 years ago, called A Distant Mirror, where she talks about how the 14th century and the 20th century have so many things in common. And so I think a lot of in a lot of ways, contemporary music can feel more comfortable looking back and things in the in the Middle Ages than, than certainly than it does in the 19th century, because um, there are just a lot of issues that are the same, and there's a certain amount of edge and freshness that I think you hear even those six seven hundred years apart. And then the last one I did was uh, Du Sadam, uh, which is a Verlay, and one of his most popular pieces, uh, both then and through the ages. It's just been done over and over and over again because it's such a catchy tune. That's been one of the most fun things I've done this whole summer, which is not something I would have ever expected myself to say. <laughs> Sometimes flute quartet has a little bit of a, I don't know, not a stereotype, but it can be kind of like frou-frou, kind of fluty music. There's a lot of that out there. But I thought what we did, our program was super exciting and goes to show that you can do some really cool things with four flutes. Premiered Eden Ray's piece, Tease for three flutes, and that used a lot of different extended techniques, percussive sounds, that was really fun to do. And then the two pieces that were going to take to Minneapolis for the flute convention, it was a good opportunity to do a little test run with those. And with the map. <laughs> yeah, those are awesome. I should show you guys yeah. those scores. There's at least 10 of these different maps that are all made with different musical symbols. And if you put them far enough away from your face, it actually looks like a a map of different areas and each one has instructions like build a raft with what you can find and then you have to return when you're overwhelmed whatever that means of course um. <laughs> we like to do it in non-traditional venues avoiding concert halls for the most part where there's a real clear separation between the performers and the audience we like to do smaller more intimate venues and 
kind of venues where hopefully anyone would feel comfortable coming to. It's a little bit more casual than a lot of classical concerts. We want everyone to feel welcome. But we think there are a lot of people here who really enjoy it, maybe haven't had an opportunity to, to hear a lot of it, to be exposed to a lot of it. We just want it to be accessible to anybody who wants to hear it. Uh, that we performed tonight, the Kate Soper piece is just incredible. Uh, and, and now that Rebecca, Rebecca is actually fairly new to our ensemble. She's pretty new to Nashville. And uh, when we <clears throat> had this opportunity to work with such a wonderful vocalist, I think finding that synergy of poetry and music seemed natural. history of funk music here and horn sections and it's just such a wealth of that and you don't really see like really funky you know music written in contemporary classical realms and then at that involving bassoon coming here today and walking into the building and just seeing what was happening arts wise and then coming over here and seeing the galleries and these facilities and I was just completely overwhelmed and just like encouraged about the future of arts in Memphis and everything and just tying that all together with the history of of music and then being able to bring this piece I thought was really cool. So tonight I did two solos which is probably not typical for a concert. We sometimes have a solo piece but again kind of a small roster for this trip and the Daniel Wall piece called Ken was something that we started thinking about probably three years ago, two years ago. I forget how long it was. Celine knew somebody, I think it was someone that worked with Daniel and was helping him put this together. And uh, so she brought it to my attention. And this was my first commission that I've done. And so it was very exciting to do that. Chatterbird kind of co-sponsored it. He got this group of 20 musicians, 20 percussionists, said, hey, Here's the instrumentation. Take these instruments, uh, play around with them. Um, you can do something with the entire table of junk. There's you know wooden planks and an opera gong and a ratchet and a castanet and three brake drums and a glockenspiel and can, etc. A lot of small stuff. You can do something with all of that, or you can take one instrument or two instruments, improvise for a minute, show me a cool technique. He took those recordings and he actually used those to either make the electronic component itself or to notate 
some of the recordings and then put that into the music. The whole idea is that you have this solo piece, but it was commissioned and created kind of together as one, even though there's just one composer, one performer. It seemed like the perfect complement to today's performance. Electric Counterpoint was written in the same period that the music for 18 musicians, possibly Steve Reich's most highly regarded work. And it uses a lot of the same compositional techniques that he was using in that period. So you hear the pulsing harmonies, you hear the close cannons, and the sort of stacking of the melodic cells. You hear the resulting patterns, which, as I described during the concert, once you have these sort of stacks of the same melody on top of itself, and you begin to pluck one note from here and one note from there, you can create an additional melody with those resulting notes. It's in three movements, fast, slow, and fast. And in the final movement, there's a lot of play with the rhythmic technique of changing the grouping of eighth notes from three sets of four to four sets of three. So you have almost a metric modulation going back and forth, and it creates a nice sort of bouncing effect, and you feel like the tempo is changing even though the underlying subdivision stays the same. sequenza for cello is his 14th and his final sequenza and it was originally written for Rohan de Serum, a great Sri Lankan cellist who played with RDD String Quartet for many years and he and Berio collaborated. They met when de Serum was the soloist for a piece of Berio's that was originally written for Rostropovich and Berio was really taken with first Serum's playing, and second by his history as a Kandian drummer, drumming style from Sri Lanka. So the piece incorporates 12-beat rhythmic cycles, which are expanded to 13-beat and to 11-beat, and it showcases the cello's virtuosity because it asks the player to play percussively on the body of the instrument and with the left hand, and also utilizes almost all of the extended techniques in terms of timbres. You have solpanticello, soltasto, bartok pizzicatos, it's a real exploration into the possibilities of what the cello is capable of doing. I 
I think it's incredible for listeners to come to something like this and hear things that they're not used to, especially, you know, someone might come because they're into Rob Junkless or into Don Lifted or into Niefnorf or whatever, and then they're going to be confronted with something that they've never heard before, and maybe they like it, maybe they don't, but they're hearing something that they never have, and that's, that's so worthwhile. One woman's face, and she would look disgusted. But then at the end, like she said nice things to me, so I was confused. I think somebody's getting murdered behind me, so and on the video. So I think that's what that was, because I was definitely like, I looked at her twice, and I was like, she can't be looking at me like that. And I looked at her again, and she was like, still. <laughs> It's a good opportunity for someone who would not normally be willing to come out maybe to a Chatterbird show to come see a couple of concerts on one night. It's convenient. It's just a nice night out and good good opportunity to see a few things at once. In many concerts, I leave and I think, I don't know a soul there. That is absolutely wonderful. <laughs> you know, because if I have... You know, if I have an audience where it's entirely new people, that's that's great. You know, it's what you hope. We're just so impressed. Uh, you know, the 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 amount of activity around contemporary music and and art and music that is going on in Memphis is really impressive. Expanding people's ears, putting something in front of them that they'd never heard that's hopefully done really well. And if we've done our job properly, then we can move people's minds and hearts in a way that they've never even considered before. I mean, it's always just like clutching the edge of your seat, just hoping that it, it doesn't fall apart, hoping that the sound comes out and hoping that it, it's communicated the way that you want it to. But it was it's thrilling and exciting and terrifying all at the same time. It was a beautiful experience.
season, we're still ironing out some details, some exciting things coming up, I think, but I can't put them on the record. <laughs> 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 This has been an independent production of Sonosphere, produced by Amy S. and Chris Williams. Check us out at sonospherepodcast.com. Subscribe on iTunes and check us out on SoundCloud. Thanks for listening.